You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Keith Sanderson, chronicler of animal advocates, writer, and human companion to Max A. Pooch, the canine superhero to the environment and admirer of animal advocates everywhere. Max and I thank you for joining us today for this episode of Awesome Advocates. We dedicate this show to those amazing people who work to save the lives and or improve conditions of companion, domestic, and wild animals. Our guest today has helped lead the crusade to effectively ban greyhound racing in Massachusetts, other states in New England, and is fighting the fight in the rest of the United States. Her name is Christine Dorchek, the co-founder and president of Grey2K USA. And right after these messages, we will meet Christine and learn why greyhounds don't really live a great life. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Petco, where the pets go. Petco, where the pets go. Pet Life Radio has tail-wagging, fur-flying, fabulous deals for our listeners from Petco. Get $6 off your order of $60 or more and up to 40% off the entire Petco site. That's right. But that's not all. Because you're a Pet Life Radio listener, you'll also get free shipping on your order of $49 or more. $6 off, up to 40% off, and free shipping from Pet Life Radio and Petco. To get these awesome deals, go to PetcoDeals.com. That's PetcoDeals.com. Petco, where the pets go. X-Power is a global brand that offers a complete line of stand dryers, cage dryers, and multiple blasters that cater to both home and professional groomers. Designed to be quiet, lightweight, and powerful, X-Power pet dryers will save you time, energy, and money. The X-Power B2 Pro at Home Dryer is the perfect gift for family and friends. Please check out our specials at ViperPet.com and Amazon.com. For more information, visit XPower.ws or call 855-855-8868. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Awesome Advocates. I'm your host, Keith Sanderson, and we're here with our guest today, Christine Dorchek, founder and president of Great 2K USA and one of Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates. Hi, Christine. Thank you so much for joining us today. And before we went on break, I was telling our listeners a little bit about the fact that greyhounds don't live such a great life. Can you explain that or expand on that a little bit? Certainly. Uh, Thank you so much for allowing me to come on your great new program, Keith. I'm so proud to be a part of these efforts. I don't know if I can qualify for an awesome advocate, but I'm going to (laughs) try. Our organization, Great GK USA, was formed as a single-issue advocacy organization in 2001, and we are focused on ending the cruelty of dog racing, both here in the United States and around the world. And the cruelty is inherent in this industry, and this really touches on your question, what's wrong with dog racing and how do the dogs treat it? Well, not well, to put it in two words. 
they are treated like commodities. They must perform. If they don't perform, they're out. And they're replaced by a puppy who might perform better or not. If that dog doesn't perform well, he's out. And it just goes on and on and on. And this breeding for commercial purposes adds to the overpopulation problem for other companion animals looking for homes. So here's an industry that is purposely creating dogs to make money. If the dogs don't make money, some may be adopted, pushing others out of homes. Others are simply killed. It's just wrong. It really does seem wrong. And uh, I guess because it's a commercial enterprise, if the dog doesn't perform, they're going to do something with it rather than keep it for a pet. This is an industry. This isn't a pet lover's club. This is an industry. That's right. And now, how long ago did you found your organization? Well, I was uh, honored to be a part of a group of volunteers in the year 1999. We came together without any knowledge of the political process or really how things work, to tell you the truth. We came together because dogs were suffering in our backyard. A thousand dogs at two dog tracks in our state. And we knew about the terrible things happening to them, and we wanted to stop it. And uh, for years before 99, we would stand outside the dog tracks, Wonderland and Rainham Park here in Massachusetts with signs. Sometimes we'd get some press, and uh, we thought that was the way we could end this cruelty here. Well, it just wasn't working. So thankfully, someone heard about our efforts through one of the few media stories we would, have, we would get. And he said, do you really want to end dog racing? We said, of course. That's why we're here with our signs. And he said, put down the signs. Let's go to the ballot. And we didn't even know what that meant. But we sure found out. We collected over 150,000 signatures to get on the ballot in the year 2000 to ask the voters of this state to end dog racing. We made the case that dog racing was cruel and inhumane and it should end. And we almost won. We had no money. All we had was our hearts on our sleeves. And we lost by less than 2%. So that was in the year 2000. And uh, what happened after that is several of us who were veterans of the campaign came together and said, let's get serious. Let's find out how this process works. Let's find out how to make our case better. And let's try to find out how to raise some money so we can get our message out widely on television, radio, everywhere, so people know what's happening to these dogs. And we did it. Um, we formed in 2001. It's great to KUSA. Myself, Carrie Teal, who's a, a political strategist, Dr. Jill Hoffenbeck, a veterinarian, and uh, for good measure, Tom Gray, a reverend. <laughs> so we, we had all forces on our side for the Greyhounds, and that's how we started in 2001. What does Gray 2K USA stand for, the Gray 2K? Well, it, it meant originally, we were originally the Gray 2K Committee which referred to the idea that greyhound racing would end in the year 2000. So, as I said, we, we had our hearts on our sleeves in 2000, and we thought, of course, everybody's going to vote for our question. It's obvious. You've got to help dogs. <laughs> you know, but uh, there's more to being right, more to winning than being right, is what we found out. You had to actually know how to deliver the message. So, in any case, we did not want to pretend that we were anything other than the same people who had tried to bring the first question. We said, well, we're going to build on the name. We'll be Gray 2K USA because we're not just going to end dog racing in Massachusetts. We're going to end it nationwide. And just recently, we have now expanded um, our domain and we're working around the world. I don't know if we're going to change the name again, Keith, but that's why we're Gray 2K USA. Okay. A train and a dog named Kelsey and a later a dog named Zoe really changed the course of your life to the point you're at now. Can you tell us a little bit about what happened? 
Oh, yeah. It's um, it's hard to talk about, but um, I had a wonderful dog named Kelsey, and um, her picture sits on my desk every day. She and I were just close as close can be. I, I saved her from a high-kill facility, and we were just best friends. And one day, we were struck while out on a walk by a speeding train, and uh Miraculously, we both survived. And when I came out of one of my comas, the only thing I could remember about myself, my past, was Kelsey. And when I could get out some words, I said, how's Kelsey? And I couldn't remember my parents. I couldn't remember my friends. I just remembered my dog, Kelsey. That's how close we were. So when I was able to go through rehabilitation, I had uh, I had hurt my back. I had hurt my neck. I, I had a lot of, as I said, memory problems. I was able to recover with, with Kelsey. Kelsey suffered a broken hip, and she also was in rehab. So we went through rehab together just as we'd gone through life together before that. And um, I was very honored to have her with me until 2005. She died only a few days after I finished law school. And I felt at that time this dog, who by then was was 15 years old, had had stayed around long enough to get me through a very difficult time of the formation of Grade 2 KUSA and going to school at night. Both things, which I started in the fall of 2001. <laughs> so this dog uh, was my anchor. So I miss her to this day, and uh, it's in her honor that I am working for dogs because I thought I owe them something. I believe that she pulled me from the path of the speeding train that day. And so she her. literally pulled you from the path? I do believe that. I cannot, you know, I because of my memory problems, I cannot even tell you what happened that day. But that is my feeling, that my dog saved my life. And I feel I owe my life to dogs. So that's why I knew when I had two years of recovery to think about this. If I ever get up again, if I can walk again, if I can talk again, if I can function again on my own, I'm going to devote myself to helping dogs. And I hope that's that's what I'm doing. These days, I am blessed to be with my greyhound, Zoe. Zoe was born in 2002, and she's a very fragile uh, little female greyhound, and uh, she's the motivating force in our office every day. <laughs> wow. You know, you mentioned that Zoe was fragile, and I believe many of our listeners um, haven't been around greyhounds, and uh, maybe they've seen them in a race or on video racing and have this impression that they're robust and very temperamental and need lots of exercise <laughs> and hyperactive and all those other things. Uh, can you tell us, is that true? Well, you know, believe it or not, uh, in the old days, uh, before there was a, a, a great expose of greyhound racing by National Geographic Explorer back in 1991-92. Before that time, the racing industry told people that these dogs were not adoptable, they weren't quote-unquote pets, they were aggressive, and grand adoption really wasn't heard of or heard about. But then the expose came out and the industry realized, ah, people know these are dogs. We better do something about getting putting some sort of adoption effort out. So thankfully, uh, the organization, uh, the industry organization made a decision and formed uh, groups that help adopt out greyhounds. Now, the, everybody knows who, because they're out in public all the time, they're the most gentle dogs. They're quiet. They're soft, many of them. My Zoe is like a giant cat. And, uh, I mean, I have four cats, so I know cats pretty well, I can tell you. <laughs> She's just a big cat. She likes to sleep on the couch, and she likes to be cuddled, and 
she's a great dog and um the idea that they are aggressive and, and not adoptable was something of you know days gone by i think everyone knows now these are great beautiful and gentle dogs do they need a lot of exercise that's another one of those myths they don't because a greyhound, unfortunately, even if you look at the experience at the track, they're kept in their cages for 20 or more hours a day. When they race several times a month, it's a 30-second race, and then they're back in the cage again. So they're not marathon runners, which I would love because I am a marathon runner. <laughs> I'd love to work out with Zoe, but she's not up for that. I can tell you. She's not interested in that. She likes to go for a walk just like any other dog, and then she goes in, onto her big fluffy couch. <laughs> So you're telling me the ideal home setting for a greyhound, you don't need a racetrack? Definitely not. What would be good is, uh, and most adoption groups, if not all, will say a fenced-in yard is very important for a greyhound because a greyhound, when they are out in public, they should be kept on leash because they can just take off 45 miles per hour. If they see something, and you will not catch that greyhound um, unless that greyhound wants to be caught. So it's very dangerous to... I don't think it's a good idea to walk around with any dog off-leash, but greyhounds particularly should not be walked around off-leash. Yeah, I think that would be uh, probably a good idea, especially since they're um, sighthounds. Yeah. And uh, if they saw something moving like a squirrel or a bunny down yeah. the way, they might just take off. And no, not my Zoe. She's a pacifist. But <laughs> 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 when we adopted Zoe, and the veterinarian looked at her. He believed that she had broken or fractured her pelvis and it hadn't been treated. And that is why she has difficulty walking and that is why she's crooked. So, you know, she's permanently disfigured because of, of the racing life that she was exposed to. Are injuries uh, prevalent in greyhound racing? That is actually one of the most significant problems. You know, people say to me, well, what's wrong with dog racing? Well... <laughs> It's really the everyday life of a greyhound in the racing world, which is what concerns me and what this organization focuses on. As I mentioned, greyhounds are kept confined, and they're kept confined in warehouse-style kennels. They're in small, stacked cages, like chicken coops for greyhounds. They can barely stand up or turn around. And according to agency records and industry statements that we've obtained, they stay in these cages for 20 hours or more each day. They're what's called a turnout. There's a two or three turnouts a day for a few minutes. They go into a, a small enclosed, usually dirt floor pen behind the kennel. And the girls as a group, then the boys, for a few minutes to relieve themselves. And then they get thrown back in the cage. So that happens two or three times a day. And then several times a month they race. They're not out racing every day. It's a very sedentary life for these greyhounds. So they're kept confined like that. And, of course, this will affect their social skills. They don't spend much time with each other or with their handlers. So oftentimes when someone adopts a greyhound, they're, they're very shy and withdrawn because they really haven't had a dog's life yet. So they can recover. <laughs> Zoe has recovered. Others will recover. But that's how they start out. Another issue that we like to call people's attention to is that greyhounds are fed the poorest meat available. It's called 4D which is the USDA classification for the meat of downed, diseased, dying, and dead livestock. In other words, it's cheap, and that's what this industry needs because 
it has to cut its costs so it can try and eke some money out of this dying industry. And because the revenue is shrinking so much due to lack of interest and competition from other forms of gambling and also awareness about greyhound cruelty, that bottom line is, you know, it's getting lower and lower. And they don't have a lot of money to spend taking great care of greyhounds, generally speaking. So 4D meat is one of the solutions to that. It's basically rejecting, you know, slaughterhouse meat. And oh, wow. That's wow. what greyhounds eat. And that's why another reason some people think their teeth are so poor uh, oftentimes because of all of the diseased flesh their diet has been based on. Now, the trainers will, and I've seen it. I've actually been shown how it's done by a trainer. They will mix in some pasta or rice or maybe some dry. So they don't just slap the rotten meat in a dish. I'm not saying that. They mix it in, but I mean, it's still the rotten meat is the base of the diet. And oh, wow. As you mentioned, Keith, the other significant issue, and these are the standard problems. These aren't the horror stories that we hear every now and then. That's not what we focus on, though. Of course, when we learn of terrible situations of dogs being starved to death, dogs you know, burning in fires and things like that, and cows, of course, we offer that information for people to see. But this other standardized problem with this industry is the injury. It's the entries. Now, when they are let out of their cages to race, you know, they, the industry folks will say, they, well, they love to run. Well, sure, if you were kept in a cage for 20 or more hours a day, you'd run like heck, too. I, yeah, I, <laughs> you better I believe it. <laughs> hey, uh, you know, you mentioned adoption. And one thing I, I wanted to make sure I, I understood is if I wanted to adopt a greyhound, where would I look? You can go to our webpage, greatgkwsa.org, adoption. We have a, a referral list. You can also just go to petfinder.com any, right now, <laughs> and you'll find greyhounds available all across the country and around the world. You mean I just go to some search engine like PetFinder and put That's in it. greyhound? Yep, that is it. There's all, there are also some very wonderful national and local groups. For instance, um, USA Dog out of Indiana serves, uh, I think, eight, eight or nine states. So there are these networks in place larger organizations, adoption organizations that are covering multiple states. And what's beautiful about our campaign is that as we work to close down dog tracks, the adoption groups in the host states of those tracks often stay open. So they are now available. Their doors are open to receive dogs coming out of the states where racing still exists, which means there's a greater chance that those dogs from Florida or Arkansas or Texas, they now have more places to be sent, more places to, to take them. So it's less likely they will just be killed out of hand. So it's actually, it's a great transition that's happening. As tracks close, the adoption groups stay there, are able to absorb even more dogs. So we're hoping that the kill rate is going down and the adoption rate is going up. Okay, so if I understand you, like, there used to be greyhound racing in Wisconsin. Wisconsin, right. And uh, so even after the tracks shut down, there might be uh, uh, adoption groups up there taking animals from uh, Florida. That's right. They have arrangements either with particular kennel operators or with adoption groups in Florida to take what they call greyhound halls up the coast, and they take the dogs. And it's, it's just people are working together. And, you know, by the way, some of the people, you know, are for racing and some are against racing. So what's important is that from the dog's point of view, and that's the point of view I like to take, is that there are people willing to step in and help them. 
and that is to be applauded. The politics of it is something that we handle here at Great USA, and we, you know, that's what we're working on. We promote adoption, and we give grants as we can to adoption groups, and we support them by participating in their events and announcing them and promoting their efforts. There's a story on our Facebook today about a group out in California, Greyhound Connection. That's what we do to help with adoption, but our main focus as a 501c4 organization is to advocate for an end to dog racing. So we are lawyers, lobbyists, teachers, and others who are working in the system to try and make dog racing illegal. Christine, uh, we need to take a commercial break right now, but when we get back, I want to ask you about some negative blogs I've seen on the internet about your organization. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. I'm not much of a reader, but I do wish I were more well-read. There are so many great books coming out. I wish I could find a way to keep up. Audible.com makes it easy to stay well-informed and catch up on your reading simply by listening. Audiobooks from Audible turn downtime into uptime. You'll be more productive and become well-read. Now I'm able to catch up on all the great books I've been wanting to read. With Audible, I feel smarter. Pet Life Radio listeners, try Audible.com now and get your first 30 days of Audible Listener Gold Membership plan free. And get a free audiobook. Choose from over 100,000 titles. To get this great deal, go to AudibleDeals.com. That's AudibleDeals.com. Dyson. The new Dyson Animal Backs are powerful bagless upright backings for homes with pets. Air muscle and radio root cyclone technology generates the strongest suction power to powerfully remove dust, dirt, and pet hair from the home or car. To order your Dyson Animal Vac, go to DysonDeals.com. DysonDeals.com to order your Dyson Animal Vac today. Dyson. Music to your ears. Love My Pets, the new single by Mark Winter, available on iTunes. When you're looking to add a pet into your life, consider adopting a homeless animal from your local shelter or rescue group. Whether you want a kitten, puppy, or a more mature pet, a purebred or a -a one-of-a-kind mixed breed, even a rabbit or hamster, your shelter has the best selection of animals anywhere, all screened for good health and behavior. PetLifeRadio.com presents Take Me Home with your host, Susan Daffron. Join us each week as we showcase wonderful pets, tell stories, and even throw some pet education into the mix. So get ready to find out why the pet adoption option can be a great way to add a furry companion into your life. Take me home every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates and our guest, Christine Dorchek, 
co-founder and president of Great 2K USA. And I asked uh, Christine about some blogs I've seen that are negative about Great 2K USA. And uh, I was wondering what her comment is of what they say about her. It seems pretty negative stuff. They call your group liar and uh, some other very antagonistic words. Oh, sure. That's par for the course. I mean, when you put yourself out and certainly when fighting, you know, an industry, industry is going to come after you. That, that's just to be expected. You know, Grade 2K USA, actually, we have a very strict policy. We rely on state records and official documents only. We don't speculate. We don't give our opinion that is untethered. We always refer back to the industry's own records when we're explaining what is happening to greyhound dogs. For instance, we put out a report that showed that nearly 3,000 dogs were reported as injured at one track in West Virginia over an 18-month period. Oh, my goodness, that track was all over. Say, oh, you are a bunch of liars. Well, the thing is, we were referring to their own records. So they were calling themselves liars. So it's kind of a, a tricky situation for industry now because where this was once a he said, she said debate, this is a now a they said debate. And all they can do is try to deny their own records. And I guess attacking the messenger is the other strategy that they've thought of. But I do not believe it's working. We are seeing a catastrophic decline in greyhound racing in the United States. Since we formed in 2001, uh, we've cut the industry in half. There were 15 states with dog racing at that time, nearly 50 tracks in operation. Today, there are 22 tracks in just seven states. So I think that the trend is with the greyhounds, thankfully. Well, that sounds like an amazing bit of progress. And um, now, some of it is, of course, that the industry has competition with other forms of gambling, but I'm sure a large amount of it is just educating people and and getting them to vote once they understand what greyhound racing is about. And, you know, it's not possible to give the vote to people. People don't have what's called the ballot initiative process or the citizens' initiative right in every state. Only 24 states have some form of the process. And unfortunately, uh, most of the dog racing states are not in that category. So Florida is one that we are considering a ballot question, certainly. We have to, in fact, make our case to lawmakers. So, for instance, today there will be a hearing in Colorado. Colorado lawmakers are considering extending the right of the tracks there, the former tracks, to simulcast dog racing from other states. So I can't ask people to vote against that. I have to ask the lawmakers on that committee to please not approve that measure and end simulcast wagering on dogs in Colorado. Dog racing actually ended in Colorado a few years ago. So there is no live dog racing there. It's been over since 2007. Mile High closed at that point. There were five tracks at one time. Mile High the last. So dog racing is over, except Colorado has been allowing its citizens to bet on dog races taking place elsewhere. So we're asking them, instead of extending that right, why not just now call it a day on dog racing entirely? We have to make that argument to lawmakers, not to citizens. So you have to kind of go and know how the process works and know the correct message to deliver. And hopefully, hopefully that's what we're doing. Now, how can you listeners help you get that message to their lawmakers? Do you have campaigns with them uh, writing to their state legislators, or what do you do? Oh, yes. Anyone who'd like to help with these campaigns, 
We need as many voices as possible. Right on our homepage at grade2kusa.org, there's a way to sign up for action alerts. And you would receive action alerts if you signed up, Keith, that would pertain to your state. So, And if you're not in a racing state, you will get the general alerts that anyone could answer. For instance, we have uh, something called the Governor's Initiative Campaign, where we ask people to send an email to the governors of every racing state and ask those governors to approve our measures to either put better protections in place for greyhounds or to end dog racing entirely if we're at that stage in the campaign. So everybody who cares about greyhounds can go online and easily be a voice for them. You can also donate. You can also do a public outreach table. We'll give you free materials. There are so many ways to help, and just clicking on our website and taking a look uh, about all these different opportunities, I think, would be a great way to start. Now, you mentioned before that you're expanding your efforts internationally. Can you uh, share a bit with us about what you're doing there? Absolutely. Uh, It was uh, June two years ago. I saw an article in a Chinese newspaper, and uh, I think it was South China Morning Gazette, and it was about a dog track in China, which I did not know there was a dog track in China, believe it or not. It's actually not on the mainland, so I'll give myself a little bit of a break. It's on Macau, and it is called the Knidrum. And according to this article... 400 greyhounds were sent there every year and died there because there was no adoption program. At least there's an opportunity for adoption here in the U.S. At the Canedrum, once a dog slows down, is injured, that dog is killed and replaced by another dog. And the dogs were coming from Australia at a rate of 30 a month. So 30 came in, 30 got put down. I was horrified by it. And I I said to our executive director, what can we do about this? He said, well, how could we work in China? I don't know, Christine. Let's figure it out. So... We formed an international coalition, and that now includes the RSPCA, Animals Australia, Animals Asia, and we're working together now to try and close down the Canedrum. We have a wonderful ally on the ground, Albano Martin of Anima, which is the local animal shelter. He's got a lot of political connections, and we believe that the Canedrum will soon be closed. At a minimum, the government will not renew its license for 2015, which is what would be required. Well, there's a case where the dogs are literally racing for their lives, isn't it? That's right. Because if you don't do good, you're gone, puppy. Well, you know what? Even if you do good, you eventually you age out, and a younger dog is going to you know, surpass you. It's going to make more sense. Again, it's an industry. So the dogs are constantly subject to a cost-benefit analysis. So if it's, you know, if you could get in a faster dog, get in the faster dog, move out the older dog. It's just an equation, and it's an equation that works against the interests of these gentle dogs. Uh, that's amazing. It's just really, really sad what we, what we do as humans and as a society to um, companion animals like greyhounds. And um, it's people like you who really take us to the next step and, and raise our awareness. But I have a question that I, I'd like to ask you. Sometimes people will ask animal advocates, how can someone spend so much time and money and resources advocating for animals when there is so much human misery in the world? Do you have an answer for people like that? You know, I've heard that before. I doubt very much there is anyone who only cares about one issue or one group affected by that issue. I mean, life is rich and there are many dynamics and interests. And I believe by helping animals, we only expand our compassion and make the world a better place for everyone. 
this is a global community, and you can't just pick and choose who deserves help. Everybody who deserves help, I mean, everybody deserves help. I mean, I don't distinguish between a dog or a person who needs help. If I can help a person, I'll help the person. That doesn't keep me from helping the animal and vice versa. <laughs> it's just that simple. There's no reason to set up barriers on or limit our compassion. Our compassion should expand, not retract. Well, that's a, that's a very interesting observation. And I think you're right. So many times we like to pigeonhole people and say, well, they're for this or they're for that. Therefore, they must be bad or good or whatever. And really, you-, uh, you know, I've really learned that, excuse me, Kita. You know, people feel that, you know, in politics, for instance, well, the Democrats will support the Greyhounds and the Republicans won't. We've actually had some of our bills led by Republicans in various states. So the Greyhound issue is one that crosses divides. Greyhounds have no politics, no party. Anyone who has decency and cares about dogs and good public policy in mind will want to end dog racing. One thing we haven't touched on, which I'll just mention very quickly, is the reason that this industry has managed to stay around for so long, way beyond its, you know, when it should have ended on its own is because the industry has regularly received subsidies from government. There are subsidies for breeding greyhounds, for instance, um, in various states. They have special funds set up for greyhound breeders. So who wouldn't stay in this business if, if somebody was paying you to stay in it? You know, it really helps with that bottom line I was mentioning, but it's really, it's a bad deal for greyhounds. It's a bad deal for taxpayers. Why should taxpayers be sending money to, you know, breeders who are trying to make money, it's a business that should stand or fall on its own. It certainly should not be propped up with subsidies or other benefits that other businesses certainly don't get. One irony I see in that, so states are subsidizing the breeding of greyhounds, adding to the dog population, and then the same states through um, the kill shelters will be killing, uh, uh, euthanizing dogs because there's too many of them. And And don't we both know that spay-neuter is the most effective way to get to that bottom line and both help the taxpayer and help the animals from suffering? Exactly, exactly. Well, Christine, so not breeding, spay-neuter, <laughs> the opposite yeah, right, of breeding. <laughs> right. yeah, it's no, funny it's world, not, isn't it, Keith? <laughs> yeah, it really is. Well, you know, it's also funny how time runs out, and uh, we're about at the end of the show, but uh, is there anything else you'd like to share with us or remind us uh, where they can get information about Grade 2K USA? Well, you know what I'd just like to say? I was a person who cared about dogs. And I didn't know how to take that caring and turn it into action. And I figured it out. So if I figured it out, I hope that people listening who care about dogs will say, what skills do I have or what skills can I obtain? Can I go to law school or I'm a carpenter, I'm an artist. How can I use the skills that I have or can develop to help animals? And I hope you'll do it because it's really very fulfilling to get up every day and know that I'm working for a good cause. And every day I'm one step closer to saving more greyhounds and ending the cruelty of dog racing. And there's no paycheck that could replace that. I could have graduated. I did graduate from law school. I was third in my class. I could have gone to a big law firm and made lots of money, but I didn't. I went to law school to help greyhounds. I stuck with the plan, and I couldn't be happier. And that was my 
my recipe for helping dogs. That's one reason, or maybe the reason, that Max A. Pooch thinks you're an awesome animal advocate. Well, thank you, Max A. Pooch. <laughs> I, I appreciate mean, that. Being a rescue dog, he's for anybody who is uh, going to help his fellow pooches. And, oh, I'm so honored. Thank you for having me on the program. Well, I, you know, I thank you for joining us, and I hope you know that our listeners, when they think about how they can help, they take to heart what you said, because it doesn't matter what our skill is. I was a writer, and that's how I became doing what I, I do now. And go. that was my skill. Exactly. And um, so I guess we're coming to the end, and uh, I'd like to thank our listeners for joining us today for another episode of Max A. Pooch, Awesome Animal Advocates. And I hope uh, they join us on our next episode. And I want to have a special thanks to Mark Winter, executive producer of Pet Life Radio, and the great sponsors that make this program possible. So until we meet again, please read my latest Pet Life Radio blog. If you want to learn more about Max A. Pooch, you can go to maxapooch.com and listen to past episodes of Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates. I think you'll meet a lot of interesting people and learn a lot about what can be done and is being done for those animals that are around us and surround us. Until we meet again, let's talk pets every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.